know, they'll be like, how are you? How's everything? How are the kids? And everything's always fine. I mean, nobody ever wants to say that, okay, from my four kids, the oldest one is has ADHD, we're hesitant to medicate, but all the behavioral impulses, and if the principal calls me one more time, we're gonna have a problem. Uh, you don't wanna say that the next child has had all sorts of sleeping issues under the sun, she's sleepwalking, you're scared, the bedwetting will not stop, she's 10. Welcome to season four of Black Family Table Talk. Listen in weekly as we share unique stories that inspire, build, and give voice to the strength of Black families. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. This week's episode is sponsored by ABTF Travels. Join us for an epic adventure of a lifetime as we host an official delegation of artists and art enthusiasts in Ghana, West Africa. Please refer to our products page at blackfamilytabletalk.com forward slash products for more information. Uh, welcome to Black Family Table Talk. Today I'm interviewing Carice Laguerre. Welcome to Black Family Table Talk. Thank you. I uh, appreciate being here. Thank you for the yeah. opportunity. Give me your background and how did you come to this? What do you call it? Myofunctional therapy. Myofunctional therapy. It's a mouthful. I know. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yes. Okay. I originally started my career and went to school for registered dental hygiene. So dentistry is really the bulk of my background. It is in working with a pediatric therapist that I've kind of gotten my life turned all the way around. So as a parent, I find that when we are talking with other people, you know, they'll be like, how are you? How's everything? How are the kids? And everything's always fine. I mean, nobody ever wants to say that, okay, from my four kids, the oldest one is has ADHD, we're hesitant to medicate, but all the behavioral impulses, and if the principal calls me one more time, we're gonna have a problem. Uh, you don't wanna say that the next child has had all sorts of sleeping issues under the sun, she's sleepwalking, you're scared, the bedwetting will not stop, she's 10, and you're you're really nervous because this has gone on for a decade now, and you're, you're going crazy at night, every single night, and you, for sure aren't going to add on top of that, that, you know, with the last two, my younger two, they were having constant infection. So it was the ears, it's the throat, it's the ears, it's the throat, it's the amoxicillin that's nonstop in the house. My husband at one point just blatantly asked the pediatrician to give us a keg, like just prescribe a keg and we can just take it home and we will just keep them on that constant routine. But nobody ever talks about that stuff, right? Right. So I actually got into that conversation with that pediatric dentist that I was talking, that I was working for at that time. And in that, we kind of got into the root of a lot of their issues stemmed from what was going on in their mouth. And it had nothing to do with their teeth. It had everything to do with how they were using their mouth, the mouth breathing that they were doing, and the weaknesses that they had in their oral facial structures. And it's in that that I've just poured myself now into diving deep into myofunctional therapy, which is really the way that we address how we're using all of these muscles. So myofunctional therapy in the shortest way possible is like personal training, but for just these muscles below the eyes and above the shoulders. So we're working here to kind of get everything strengthened and coordinated so that we can get better breathing, better chewing and better swallowing. So everything from earache and the other 
things that your children were going through had to do what was going on in their mouth? Absolutely. It's it was shocking to me back then, but we are like a total 180 from where we were before. And it really all stemmed from a lot of that. So when we're mouth breathing and we're not using our tongue to swallow correctly, there's a disconnect between what's going on with all these structures because we know that everything's connected, right? So the ears, the nose, and the throat, it's all connected. We've got that nice upper respiratory passageway there. You'll have a difficult time clearing out that middle ear, that eustachian tube, if you're not swallowing correctly. So the kids were building up stuff mm. and we had no idea. That's what was causing a lot of these constant ear infections. Their tonsils were swollen from all the mouth breathing. And then that was going to cause an issue overall with repetitive um, back and forth to the doctor with sore throats. Um, ADHD, very very big connection, over 70% overlap with the symptoms for ADHD and the symptoms for sleep disordered breathing. So you'll find that, you know, a lot of times what you think is ADHD might actually be a sleep issue. And in the, in the instance of my son, it actually was. And it's very important to talk about that because um, mm -hmm. ADHD isn't even something that, you know, you can take a test for or like you get blood work, mm -hmm. you get diagnosed that way. You could be diagnosed just based off of going in with, you know, some symptoms and you tell the doctor that and the doctor says, okay, it seems like ADHD. Mm -hmm. You don't test for it. But it is something that because there's such a strong overlap, it's worth it to get a sleep study and then to start working on all of those things that are going wrong with the sleep. And a lot of sleep is stemmed in how we breathe. And then that's how everything is kind of going to connect. So would you say that was your aha moment? Oh, huge aha moment. Huge. And, then, and what steps did you take after that with your son? What was the first thing you did? So the first thing I actually did was we changed up our diet immensely. So we took out dairy. We went dairy-free and gluten-free because a lot of the dairy can cause inflammation. And the best way to start is to reset everything, right? So if all these muscles are not really working appropriately, we're going to have to reset. It's like going to the gym, but you still go and eat whatever you feel like afterwards. Like nothing's going to change, right? You got to give mm -hmm. your muscles a lot of good fuel. So we first step we went dairy-free and gluten-free because a lot of that dairy is going to cause inflammation along with the wheat and the gluten and so forth. So we did that first. Then our next step was to take a deep dive and to start really working on these nasal passageways. So if we were going to eliminate his mouth breathing, we had to start by opening up his nose. And not enough people do nasal hygiene. I find that to be such an interesting thing. And one of the simplest things I learned along the way that's really making a big impact. We've got to clean out our noses. We clean everywhere else. We brush our teeth, we wash our bodies, we shampoo our hair. We've got to get this nose. We've, we've absolutely got to. So a good saline rinse routine, um, a good nasal inhaler, that way you're able to really decongest. It's mm. going to do wonders, absolute wonders. Now, how often should so, so one do nasal hy hygiene? Um, like every day or? At least once a day, at least. We started out twice a day because, you know, we needed to clear out first thing in the morning. A lot of people who suffer from post-nasal drip will need that first thing in the morning, that quick shot to open you back up. And then definitely at night, right before bed, I would say is what most people require. Wow. Okay. I, I 
Never heard. Of, you, you're absolutely right. Um, most people don't do nasal hygiene. So is this something you purchase over the counter or is this prescri prescription or nasal saline? I know you can get that from the local pharmacy. Absolutely. Okay. Is there a particular brand you should get? What I really like is the xylitol contained one. So clear is a nasal, well, X-L-E-A-R is how they spell it, but it's pronounced clear. Clear um, saline rinses have xylitol in them. The xylitol is going to help with the uptake and going to allow to clear out a little bit better. And bonus is that it's just completed a nice round of research where the xylitol that is in that specific product has been shown to help as a preventative against COVID, because we all know that that's a wow. respiratory disease. Wow. Well, you know, I, I saw this new machine they advertising on TV now. Uh, you kind of put up to your nose and it goes in and come back out. Have, have you seen those before? Do you recommend anything like that or... So those are those nasal lavages. It's going to run the stream of water up and around and it's going to come back down through the other passageway. Mm -hmm. I mean, that those can be good if you're just using water, then it's okay. But if you really use a good saline rinse, so there oh, do sell saline in like big bottles, like big tubs, and you can get a nice little saline bottle and squeeze that and it'll run up and around. And the saline is going to help to flush out just a little bit better than the water would. But yeah, absolutely. That can be a part of the nasal hygiene routine. Now, from the nasal hygiene routine, what benefits have you noticed right away? And what other benefits are there to this? Hmm. Good question. Right off the bat, one of the things I noticed is that there was less snoring in my children once we started that. Wow. And snoring, if we're thinking about snoring, snoring is actually the sound of air trying to pass through. So it's meeting resistance as it's passing through your upper respiratory system, right? Because everything kind of gets a little lazy at night. Our muscles, they relax as we go down to sleep. And so the the air is trying to force its way down and it's meeting that resistance and we're hearing those vibrations, okay? Mm -hmm. That was one of the first things I noticed to change because as we're clearing out this passageway, we're opening it up, we're kind of helping to drain the sinuses a little bit better and it gives you a little bit more room, at least from the nose until when it meets the back for the pharynx. So it started to decrease a lot of that there. And then eventually, once we worked on the muscles and how those were functioning, we were able to clear a lot more lower in the tract. All right. So it helps with sleeping. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the other elements your children may have experienced, did you see any benefits in that as well? Absolutely. So when it came to the ears and the throat infections, those were very quick to resolve once we addressed the way the swallowing pattern was happening. Now, when we're trying to swallow, you can have a swallow any number of ways. There are lots of ways that the tongue might move because the body's always just trying to keep us alive and keep going, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're struggling to swallow, the body's not going to say, all right, well, we don't need to swallow anything until we learn how to do it correctly. It's just going to modify. It creates its own new pattern. But the proper way to swallow is with the tongue up against the roof of the mouth and it kind of moves against it in a wave-like motion, right? And when it does that, it's going to connect with the roof of the mouth and it's going to stimulate and engage a lot of the um, maxillary, I don't wanna to be too technical, but it's gonna engage a lot of these maxillary bones and stimulate that vagus nerve and it'll help to open up those ears. So when you're on a plane 
and it's, you know, coming down and your ears are popping and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. You just feel that nice little bubble in there. If you have a good swallow pattern, all it takes is one simple swaddle and it clears that right on out. Is that right? Now, talked earlier about the diets, things you took out of your children's diet. So after yes. doing the nasal hygiene, did you reintroduce those foods or you eliminate those foods? We eliminated them actually for a few years. It's been about... I want to say three years that we went without the dairy and the gluten. And then we slowly started to reintroduce it because we had new, new habits and patterns and we were seeing significant progress. Like it's been almost five years that my children have been off of antibiotics and off of the ADHD medications. And I will say that you need that gap of time where you do work on everything first, but in my experience, it's okay to reintroduce after you've established really new neural patterns. Now, what did your doctor say after you did this? When you took your children back to the doctor, what was their response, uh, recommendations, or what what a surprise? Well, the first doctor that we went back to and discussed any of this with was the neurologist. And that was because of my son with the ADHD, he was seeing the neurologist every six months. And no matter what medication she put him on, it just, it really wasn't working out for us. And I hated medicating him. I really, really hated medicating him. Um, And so when I went back to her the first uh, time since we had started, you know, I told her we got rid of stuff in the diet and that we haven't been taking the medication in six months, but that he's doing significantly better. And she said, oh, well, what changed? And that's when I let her know that everything's changed. We've changed our whole lives and how we're working on things. And she said, oh, well, you know, there's actually a big coordination between what goes on with the sleep and ADHD. And I said, oh, I know. We've already taken him to get his sleep study. We've already done that. We've already determined that, that was the real problem, that he didn't have the ADHD. But thank you for the medication all these years that he did not need. <laughs> wow. 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 It took years for her to tell us something that we already knew at this point. Mm. Now, what do you wish you knew when when you started out from the beginning with your children? Because I'm I'm quite sure they have gone through an experience. I had to talk to new mothers and give them any sort of advice. It's we're starting early. Mm -hmm. We need to start with how these oral functions are working from the get go. Breastfeeding is the best way to develop proper oral function. If you cannot breastfeed for any reason whatsoever, seek help. If you choose not to breastfeed, that is fine also, but seek help because there are certain bottles that will help with that oral function much better than some other bottles that are on the market. Not all bottles are the same. As always, we want to know that fed is best. So it doesn't matter if you're breastfeeding or not breastfeeding, but function is going to help your child over their lifespan. So whether you breastfeed them for a year or formula feed them for a year, the rest of their lives, they still have to live with this function, right? Right. So I would say you want to get on the right track with that. Try to breastfeed. If you choose not to, then seek out a feeding specialist to recommend the best bottle for you to use to help your child with that development. Once we're beyond bottle feeding, 
don't get stuck in the pattern of just all of the soft, smushy baby foods, pouches, applesauces. Don't get caught in that. Chewing is the best way to stimulate bone development. Mm. You've got to get your child chewing. Baby Led Weaning is a very good book that helps to introduce that in that it's safe for children to chew. It's actually health. That's how we get the, the bone to allow that tooth to erupt. That's how you're going to get really better function overall is by allowing the child to chew and avoid at any cost whatsoever sippy cups. Sippy cups are for nothing more than no spill. There is no developmental purpose in a sippy cup. A sippy mm. cup is just going to prolong the amount of time that it takes for your child to develop that proper swallow, or it will inadvertently create that improper swallow for an extended period of time, and they'll have difficulty creating a proper swallow. So go from the breast of the bottle immediately to an open cup. You're going to get some spills. What are some spills over your child's lifetime of health? That's great advice. That's great advice. Now, looking for a pediatrician, what what are your thoughts about that? Because you had to go through a lot of trial and error. I think that there's, we are getting to a place where we are emerging significantly more with our research. And myofunctional therapy and all the benefits of really developing good oral facial function has a lot of research to support it and to back it. The more I talk with pediatricians, the more I'm seeing that trend where they're wanting to provide more holistic options for their parents, more resolution for parents. Instead of managing disease, we're looking to really try to treat it to get to the root. And if they can, get to the root. They're more than happy to. Um, so there's a lot of research that's starting to trend in the way that will, you know, enable us to get to that point where all pediatricians are, instead of writing prescriptions, they're writing referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, but for right now, I would say the best questions that you can ask your pediatrician would be, what should you be doing to help your child develop a good upper respiratory system, because we can go for a couple of days without water. We could go for weeks without food, but we can't go not but a minute or two without oxygen. We need air. We have to, have to, have to breathe. So the most important question that I would ask a pediatrician at this point in time is what are the best ways to develop this upper respiratory system so that your child can have a good open space to breathe? Excellent. Excellent. Now, you came across this because of your working with a dentist. Mm-hmm. Now, the dentist opened your eyes to this. Tell me about your research. What, what did it take you? Give me the terminology again and tell me the steps you took to learn about this. Fantastic. Okay. Well, I do myofunctional therapy. And to learn about myofunctional therapy, I really had to start with what goes on in development. So I really had to go back to my roots, right? Because in school, when we're doing dental hygiene, you have to do a lot of rigorous schooling, right? It doesn't seem like much because, you know, you're just like, oh, that's a lady that cleans my teeth. But no, she goes through a lot to go (laughs) to that point where she can't even touch any of the instruments to clean your teeth. But we start out with oral embryology and how things are forming in the uterus. 
And then once the child is born, how everything is developing about that. So now we get into oral head and neck anatomy. I had to go back into my roots of that. How exactly are we developing? How exactly are we getting all of these things to where they are now? What does good oral function look like? So going back into the roots of this, because a lot of this did stem from dentistry. So the father of orthodontics, which are your braces doctors, Dr. Edward Engel, back in the early 1900s, him and one of his students were one of the first people to really narrow down this field of myofunctional therapy. So it's over a century old, but only now just coming to light um, is as far as a public awareness. And it really took a lot of going back into a lot of that history, going back into what happened in just even this last century where we have the, um, the Dr. Weston Price. Dr. Weston Price, he was studying a lot of what goes on as far as the epidemiology of the malocclusion or teeth not being in proper alignment and how diet plays an impact on that how genetics play an impact on that. It really stems a lot on going back to what are the foundations here? And so I think that that was my first step in learning. And then I did a significant amount of coursework. I mean, I took as many courses as I could to figure out as much as I can as to how to implement these exercises. How is it that we're going to establish good function? What is it that we need to know about the brain and repatterning in order to keep this function and that way we're not relapsing and falling back into poor habits. Great. So what, what are you most proud of? Yeah. What are you most proud of? I think I am most proud of, honestly, it's the ADHD and overcoming that. I mean, you know, we've had a lot, a lot of things in just my own family, um, but the ADHD, I'm totally proud of that because I think I've narrowed it down to such a really good science that I've helped so many other families now avoid doing those same mistakes that I did where, you know, first we were ignoring it for a while. We ignored it for a while. The teacher said, oh, OK, from kindergarten, it started with my son and it took until fifth grade for us to finally medicate him. And then about eighth grade is when we finally started to actually you know, look into these more holistic methods. But we ignored it for a while from kindergarten to fifth grade. We're like, oh, no, he's just a boy. He can't pay attention. No, no, he's just a boy. And then we finally, you know, came around and we got him medicated. And oh, oh, just being off of all that and seeing him flourish and seeing who he truly is. It's like having a whole nother child. Wow. Wow. So... I can only imagine how much further along he would have been in his development. So do you have any regrets or do you think everything was for for purpose? All things are always for some sort of purpose. We're learning as we go in life. And I think had I not gone through what I went through, I wouldn't advocate so hard for many of these families. And I think in having my own personal experience and knowing where they could go if they choose to ignore these things or if they try to go the traditional route of just managing it instead of trying to get to the root of it and treat it, I think that it's been really helpful to have those honest conversations, to share my story, to say that this is you know, something that people need to look into because 
there are so many of us that aren't getting the help. And by us, you know, we people with melanin, we're not getting the help that we need. We are not being advocated for. And we're certainly not seeing enough of people that look like us advocating for us in the medical field. So I would say 100 percent. You know, I don't have any regrets. I went through what I went through for a purpose so that I could share my story and empower others. Well, this is the Black Family Table Talk. So we advocate for everything for Black folks. We're rooting for Black folks. This is why we started the podcast. We can get this kind of information out there to help our folks. What kind of information out there can we reach out to, seek, and and try to get more knowledge about um, this whole process? Absolutely. So I try to have as many links as possible. I do have a whole page with um, on my website. I do have a lot of research links and so forth on my website. So I would definitely say you could visit my website first and foremost. It is themyospot.com. That's T-H-E-M-Y-O-S-P-O-T.com. I also do blog and write about all things airway. And I do have much more research articles and easy to digest information on there as well. I would say that that website is a fantastic resource for all and even adults that might be suffering from things that, you know, never got resolved in childhood. And so that is airwaymatters.blog, A-I-R-W-A-Y-M-A-T-T-E-R-S dot B-L-O-G. Those would be your first two resources. If you're into reading, Mm -hmm. absolutely books. Um, The books, I would say, are, are phenomenal sources. I have one, it's called Accomplished how to sleep better, eliminate burnout and execute goals. Um, And then Jaws by Sandra Khan, also very easy to digest. And then there's um, the last one that I would recommend would be Dr. Felix Liao. His book is called Six Foot Tiger, Three Foot Cage. That's a really, really good one as well. Well, Clarice, I thank you for your time. This has been a wonderful experience. I've learned a lot. I suffer with sleep apnea, snoring. So the first thing I'm going to do is start my nasal hygiene regimen. Yeah. So I am going to take your instructions and I'm going to follow through and improve my life. Thank you for your time. This is Black Family Table Talk. That's what's up. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. We pray that you've gotten some tools to put into your strong Black family toolbox. And be sure to sign up for a free subscription at BlackFamilyTableTalk.com. You don't want to miss out on special discounts and product offers reserved exclusively for you from our very own Black-owned business directory. That's BlackFamilyTableTalk.com. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowance is made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comments, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talk do not necessarily reflect various platform posts. All topics are for entertainment purposes only. Discretion is strongly advised and all commentary is alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.